Welcome to the Hamilton Review of Books podcast. It's been a while, but we're starting a new season, and I have a special guest, Jill the Book Bully. Jill is a Canadian booktuber. She has a passion for sharing her love of books, especially Canadian literature, with anyone who will listen. Her favorite book is Say Nothing by Patrick Radden Keefe, and she'll bully anyone within earshot into reading it. On today's episode, we're talking all things book prizes, why we love or hate them, what it's like to read an entire long list, to see a horrible novel win a big award, and why they're important to authors and readers. After chatting about prizes, we will be doing a mini book club where we'll discuss Billy Ray Belcourt's autofiction debut novel, Minor Chorus, which was long listed for this year's Giller Prize, but surprisingly, at least to some pundits, was not shortlisted. Enjoy! Jill. So thank you for joining this episode of the Hamilton Review of Books podcast. It's our first of the season. So pressure's on. So we're talking book prizes. Uh, it's obviously book prize season. The Booker Prize was just handed out earlier this week. We're in the middle of the Giller Prize, I guess, euphoria, if that's a proper <laughs> description of it, and the National Book Award in the US as well. So uh, when we've been chatting before this podcast, you have told us or told me that you're a huge fan of book prizes. Can you tell us why or how you got into it or why you follow some? Or I mean, I think, I, I do think that a big reason why recently I've really been into book prizes is because of like the bookish internet, you know, and Instagram and, and YouTube really gives <laughs> the prime space to like speculate and to, I think there's a couple of elements about it. Like, I think there's a challenge aspect of a book prize of like when you get a long list and you're like, I get to, I'm going to read the whole long list before they announce the winner, which is really fun. Uh, I've never done it, by the way. <laughs> I, don't, I think it's very hard. I think you've done it this year for the Booker, right? And for the Giller? I've done it two years in a row for wow. the Booker. I've never done it for... Oh, I may have done it for the Women's Prize once. And that's hard because it's, it's a long 16 list. books. Yeah. yeah, so I think there's like the challenge aspect, which is fun. I think there's like the community aspect of being able to chat about it. And like, I think especially with... Uh, prizes getting much more internet presence and they are learning how to engage properly I think it makes it much more fun for people to kind of like um, place bets or like <laughs> metaphorical bets you know <laughs> just like making your predictions of what's going to be on the list and stuff um, but I also think just prizes in general I love prizes because they are um, you get to learn about books you hadn't heard about or authors you had never heard about before or it gives you a um, for me sometimes it's like the push I needed to read an author I hadn't read yet who I've been meaning to read or you know a, a genre I had I'd been avoiding or whatever so I think there's that element as well and I also think that there's just like the fun of being du jour you know <laughs> like I'm like I'm cool I'm like up with all the times and there's something about also sorry go ahead well you're influencing your like I have friends who pay attention to what I'm reading and I often get it from lists right and it's it's hard enough for 
people who are into reading, who are paying attention about new releases to figure out what to read. And I find prizes are good maybe to narrow down what we're reading, to figure out what's good, what people like, and and just what you're saying in terms of getting exposed to new kinds of books. Long lists, especially, you usually get quite a variety of different styles because, you know, long lists are probably compromises often among the juries trying to figure out what they want to include. So you get you get a wide variety of tastes and it's impossible then usually for people to like every single book on the long list, but at least it gives you a chance to to try something different. Yeah, and I think there's also something fun now that you said the long list about like compromises about the, the age old debate about what is a good literature, like what is the best literature? And I, I love those conversations. I find them really rewarding. They take you back to like being in university, like the, the best parts of university, <laughs> you know, like the intellectual debates that you get to t- say like, what makes this book remarkable? Like why is this book on the list? And I think that's really interesting as well about long lists and short lists and prizes generally and also i think just like in terms of a prize it's so nice to see an author you really like win a prize and like and they be acknowledged for their great work and i i think you know as we know in these in these trying times um it's hard to be an artist it's hard to like make a living making great art and i think it's just nice to see some some authors with some with great work be acknowledged for the work they're doing and it's often the pinnacle of their careers, right? Yeah. And it's the the fellow who won, and I can't recall his name, the, one, the fellow who won for the seven moons oh, I can't of Amalia Madia. Yeah. But, you know, it's, for him, it's it means he's set for life. True. He can write whatever he wants. He's going to get publishing licenses. His books will get published in, in multiple languages. And then I was frustrated then when they, they cut off his speech. When he won the award. <laughs> and it was like during a really like Very intense political. emotional yeah. moment where he's where he's, you know, he's talking about the, with the civil war in Sri Lanka. And it's like, come on. It's like he's been like... <laughs> The, toiling his whole life being an artist and he's finally like reached the pinnacle of of the industry and you're like sorry we only have two minutes for well, you to is, say the other thing about prizes letters is it gives you like fodder to talk about like and, and gossip and like um <laughs> and, like moments to remember you know i mean who will ever forget when margaret atwood and bernie never still had to split the booker like like infamous yeah. you know We'll talk about that in a moment because uh, I, I do have a subject where I want to chat about like bad right. <laughs> choices. Um, is there any particular prize that you enjoy following more? And is there a reason why? Um, I do really like the Booker. I think the Booker in general, um, I think maybe it's just because of like the education I have growing up in like the um, Canadian school system. I read a lot of British literature. <laughs> as uh, And so I tend to like a lot of British literature and I tend to gravitate toward a lot of North American literature generally, like where, where I was like raised, where I cut my teeth. Um, but I also really like the book group because they tend to pick out authors I'd never heard of or either authors I've never heard of or authors I'm really rooting for. It tends to be kind of a really interesting mix. And I tend to generally really enjoy a lot of the books that are on the list. So uh, not that I've ever read them all, yeah. but I've read a lot. I find that the, the, the choices out of the book and it's, it's probably the prize that I like the most as well is, you know, there is, it does have a reputation of maybe being a slightly more snobby prize and they like yeah. people who like are playing with form and style. But for, as a reader, that's, I enjoy that to be exposed to these challenging works and aren't just straightforward yeah. works of fiction. And I think that's what I, I've, I've discovered some amazing novels by following the prize more closely in recent years. Oh, I mean, some of my favorite books of all time are Booker winners you know um wolf hall yeah and um milkman by anna burns yeah. i mean girl woman other which we'll talk about no for sure right yeah um 
and I, you know, I do have, I, I like the Women's Prize a lot because I tend to read a lot of uh, literature by women. And I like that as much as I tend to read, <laughs> I mean, I do think I skew toward quote unquote snobby books. Like, yeah. again, that's just what I like. I mean, I like, I like literary fiction, you know, but I do like that the Women's Prize has a lot of commercial fiction as well. Yeah. And often um, fantasy or like some kind of different genres. I like that as well. And I like that it feels more accessible to a lot of people. I remember quite long. a few years ago, I think they, when Bernardina Baristo was the chair of the jury, someone, they picked one book that was very commercial. I forget its title. Yes. And people called yeah. her out on it. And she was like, it, there's nothing in here that says it's lit a literary fiction prize, right? It's actually supposed yeah. to be more open. I listened to it and, it, you know, it was a little too saccharine at points, but it was still, it wasn't bad, <laughs> you know? So yeah. I, I, I'm happy that you get, some, a different kind of flavor sometimes from the women's prize yeah and i do think that stuff like the booker and stuff like um you know the pulitzer and and you know nobel prize authors do feel intimidating to people who are not steeped in kind of literary world i think my mom who like who's started to read recently and she likes to read kind of commercial fiction because that's what she's likes and what she's drawn to and what she's used to and she's just you know she's just cutting her teeth on fiction so like <laughs> It makes it accessible for her to pick up stuff from the list as well that she wouldn't have otherwise been drawn to. So I like that as well. And I do want to give a shout out to the Giller because even though I feel so conflicted about the Giller always, I am, you know, intensely passionate about Canadian literature and I read a lot of it. And I really, I mean, part of the reason why I started making videos and talking about books online was to share Canadian literature more broadly. I feel like it's, um, you know, for a lot of reasons, Canlit is mostly money i think yeah it doesn't get shared as broadly globally absolutely yeah. and there are some incredible books that people need to read um so you know i have this affection for the giller <laughs> for because i just love candlelit so much so i you know frustrates me <laughs> oh no for sure right i don't read much canadian literature uh but that's one of the reasons i i try to follow the giller at least reading the long list to or the short list to get kind of a sense of what kind of stuff is coming to the to the forefront and and being published here but it's definitely i think one of my weaknesses as a reader is my you know there's so much to be like i my educational background before i went to law school was i, I did a history degree and u.s history was my focus and so when it comes to literature i've 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 tended to go in that direction in terms of where my interests have, because it's aligned with my academic interests as well, which has meant that I haven't necessarily picked up as much Canlet as I should. So I appreciate when you, for example, do videos on the Giller Prize, like the predictions, like when you listed, what was it, 16 or 15 potential? I, think, uh, I can't remember, 15, I think. But like, I didn't know uh, other than like, you, did you predict uh, Sheila Hetty's book to, to be there? I didn't, I can't recall. And yeah. I didn't because I, um, I don't love Sheila Hetty's work. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I I had others, other friends who said that that she would be on it, and they were right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like, again, I don't want not not to like bash you, Hetty. I've only read one of her books, and well, I'll, I'll talk about it actually in a bit. Um, but uh, you know, she's but she's also an, an author that is, I think, known outside of Canada, or she definitely has been read by people. I mean, I've I've watched people's videos, or you know, read blogs, or people have talked about her. People are not from Canada, so she's not an author that that needs. Uh, that recognition yeah like uh, well, I, well i was gonna say promotion <laughs> i don't mean promotion like i mean from me like i don't need to like talk about her on my channel because people already know who she is and people read her books already so yeah, i, I sure. like to kind of talk about books that people haven't heard of or um 
smaller, you know, people outside of Canada might not have heard of. So, um, I didn't, and because I don't enjoy her, <laughs> I didn't enjoy the book I read by her. I was yeah. like, I'm going to leave her off this list. <laughs> Just Which book was it? Was it Motherhood? Yeah. Another, another, yeah, another here, auto yeah. fiction that I didn't I didn't love is um and it wasn't her writing, it was just the book itself didn't work for me. Um but I have a friend who I who I talk about a lot, he reads a lot of Camlet as well, and he loved uh Pure Color. So Okay. You know, do not listen to me for recreations about Sheila Hetty. <laughs> I, I listened to both of those in audiobook and I don't think it's suited for that format and and I think auto fiction in general, but you would imagine it, it should fit nicely with it. I, I struggle whenever I, I do listen to audiobooks that are from that subgenre. It just I for some reason it, it doesn't carry over and I don't know why. It just for me that's, that's no. I what think I, I agree with you. With. I think that like for me, audiobooks are anything that plays with any kind of form on the page doesn't translate to audiobook for me. I much prefer like a straightforward like mystery or a, like a nonfiction on an audio just because if it requires a visual element to some kind of like I remember that motherhood. There's a lot of like uh, back and forth like questioning with like a with a dice or a god or something. There's some kind of like questioning that she does, and it's like different paragraphs and it's a visual thing like you gotta engage with yeah. it visually so i can imagine it wouldn't be just like i don't think it makes sense on audio like, i'm just trying to picture it right like i don't know if i would listen to an audio but i definitely think that there's just some formats that don't translate as well so can you give us some of your favorite winners in years past any prize is there any prize winner that you you've gravitated to you loved and it's kind of one of the books you i'm gonna give a shout out to my my main man, Patrick Redden Keefe, <laughs> who wrote yes, yeah. my favorite book of all time, Say Nothing. Um, but he won the Bailey Gifford Award last year, which is like a the long the um, a nonfiction book award uh, based in England, and he won for his book Empire of Pain, which is amazing, an incredible book, yeah. incredible book. And I actually I read that when it came out, and then I listened to it again this year on audio, and I think the audio is even better than the written one. <laughs> like he, yeah, I, li- I listened to it. It's so good. Um, so I love I love him and I love his work. So you know, he, of course, he's an all time favorite winner. Um, I think um, you know Anna Burns's Milkman, an absolute masterpiece. Like uh, the, yeah. the Booker winner, and I can't remember what year it was. I struggled with that one. I, I'll be honest with you, and and I've heard that one's amazing on audio. So I listened to it on audio, and it was amazing. Yeah. it's very funny. So I. I... I, I will give it another shot. I wasn't super pleased at the time for it winning, but I also felt it was like super ambitious. And I appreciate when, even if something doesn't connect and, you know, reading is, there's a lot of subjectivity in terms of your, your enjoyment of a book, but totally appreciated that she was writing in a way I've never seen before. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and it was incomparable. Yeah. I agree with you. Like, I think that's, I think I tried to read it as well in uh, in like a hard copy and I struggled a little bit with the page and then, my friend recommended the audio and I just fell in love with it because there's a rhythm to the language that I think you need to kind of hear it. I think if you don't have a Northern, a Northern Ireland accent, you need to kind of hear the rhythm to kind of figure it out. And that book is so, it's so funny and it's so subtle and it makes so much, so much commentary on, I mean, I'm thinking about saying nothing again <laughs> because it is, it's, it's the same kind of setting and same kind of story um, in some ways. And, it's a, the idea that you can't say anything, no matter what you say. Everything is coded, everything is saturated with meaning, but you can never unpack, unpick what that meaning is. And I think that book is fantastic at doing that. And there's, uh, it's funny. It's so funny. There's parts of it I was roaring, laughing, like on listening to audio, walking home. Just so funny. I, I appreciated it more, especially after uh, 
she obviously has to do all these interviews. There is someone who definitely like needed to win that prize. Mm-hmm. She had a significant amount of debt because of health issues that she had, and and it, it like it transformed her life. And I know that had a huge uptick in sales as well. And then she, the year after, I guess they had her do a little speech at the Booker ceremony, at the, the last pre-COVID yeah, ceremony. Yeah. And she uh, she talked about how winning the prize let her reconnect with old family members that had grown apart. And so like you really see the, the influence that winning one of these things can really have for someone yeah. who's, you know, just struggled as an author. Although I think she had some success. She was long-listed for the Women's Prize, I think, for a previous one of her works. So... I don't know if this is just um, me, but I feel like the Women's Prize, I wasn't even aware of it until like a couple of years ago. I don't know if it's because... Keeps on changing its yeah. name. <laughs> the Orange Prize the and then the Bailey yeah. Prize. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was going to say another book I really liked, just to shout out the, Gil- uh, the Giller for parts I love about it. I think uh, Reproduction by Ian Williams, I thought, um, was a really interesting book. And I don't know if it's... I wouldn't say it's a favorite book of all time, but I would say that, you know, I... I I struggle when people say, oh, this book is experimenting with form, because I think usually that means the words are squiggly on a page. <laughs> you know what I mean? It doesn't... But, like, I think that book actually plays with form in a really interesting way, because I don't know if, you, I don't know if you've read it or if you remember the book. I have not. It's one of the few I have. Um, it's a book that is about... Um, a, similar to the um, Maps of Our Spectacular Bodies from, from the book or uh, Long List this year, one of the main characters gets cancer throughout the book, the cancer starts invading the text, but in like a really visually fascinating way, in a way that I'm not sure that <laughs> Mass for Spectacular Bodies like doesn't quite as effectively. Um, but this one, it actually, as a reader, it makes it difficult to read the book because of the way that the text is laying over it. But there is like two stories kind of happening with the text. And I think, I remember reading and thinking, this is a really fascinating way of making the reader uncomfortable and had to work really hard to understand what's happening. And I think that really conveyed the message of what was happening in the moment for the characters. I thought it was really effective. And uh, I thought that was a really de- deserving winner, like a, a really interesting, um, different, uh, notable work. It was an upset though. I remember, I think everyone suspected Michael Crumley was going to win for The yeah. Innocence that That's a year. Great book. And I'm not sure if you remember, but the, when they announced, so they shortlisted six books that year yeah. rather than five. And I remember when they were announced that they had done their five and reproduction wasn't one of them. So everyone thought it was over. And then the juror was like, wait a minute, we have one more and it's reproduction. So like, what a journey for, uh, what's the author's Ian name? Williams. Ian Williams? Yeah. Uh, what a journey, like from like not thinking, thinking he has missed out on the shortlist to uh, winning within, a, I guess, a few weeks, yeah, I right? Think I, so, I went to that, um, you know, they do that. The, like that kind of tour around the country with the with the winners yeah yeah, yeah. pages um, yeah and i think that he said because he had this huge mop of hair at the time this like massive amount of hair and i think he said he wasn't going to cut his hair until after like this like he said he when he started writing the book he said he wasn't cut, cut his hair until it was all finished basically and then he didn't cut it till after he won. And that, and he, you know, oh, okay. he has, he, he's a very handsome man. He's a very <laughs> great haircut. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I also love the innocence. That was a great year actually for the killer. One of my favorite years of just a long list and short list, like just a great selection of books that year. There was that other Newfoundland author. Uh, Small the, game hunting. It was her debut. By Ma- uh, Megan, Megan. Yeah. Megan Gail Coles. That's her name. Megan Gail Coles. Yes, yeah. which I didn't love, but I loved what it was doing. I didn't love the book, um, but there's potential there. But I mean, it was, but it was a great panel of, of uh, was, and Stephen Price was long list, shortlisted that year, and uh, Alex Olin, I think, as well. 
yeah, it was a good uh, it was a good year. I guess for me, my favorite, somewhat basic, my favorite Booker uh, winner is probably the Remains of the Day, just because it's uh, what an amazing. Really, you're, no, you're not I a huge fan, it. you. I oh no! If that was big I mean, that book flattened me. It's so good. Yeah. Uh, you know, the first time I read it, I wasn't crazy about it, and you know, I have to admit, I saw the movie first when I was a kid, like a teenager, uh, when it came out, and it's an amazing adaptation. No, uh, I've never seen, seen the it, adaptation, but I should maybe. It's with Anthony Hopkins plays oh, the butler, wow. and Emma Thompson I plays love them both. the. Uh, it, it it was nominated for a bunch of Academy Awards. It was just such a well done uh, representation of Ishiguro's work. Um, so, anyways, I didn't like it the first time, and then I reread it in like two days and adored it, and I've reread it since. So, it is probably my favorite uh, Booker winner. And in terms of the Giller, probably do not say we have nothing. Another great was, book. That, that was a yeah. book that really uh, struck me, and you know that was shortlisted for the Booker as well. Oh, yeah. Just right. in terms of the craft. Uh, probably would have won, but it, it the the loss of the sellout. Uh, have you read uh, Paul Beatty's uh, The Sellout? No. Super ambitious, like almost like word of mouth style. Do you know it's one of those books that is uh, it's in every single like uh, discounted book. I totally pick it up <laughs> no. if you can get There's it. Yeah, so many copies. Um, so, but no, I loved it and. Uh, Madeline Tien, I guess, because the book obviously surrounds music, uh, they did a little event with mm-hmm. the Hamilton Conservatory where she would come. There was a little quartet. Oh, she would do a short like reading sample, and then they would play one of the songs that's mentioned in the book back and forth, back and forth. It was so well done. It was uh, a lovely way to experience really the, the book in a different way. So, yeah, those are probably my two, uh, two favorite award winners. We have to also acknowledge, though, before I forget, um, Hand It by Megan O'Farrell. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. Um, because just one of the greatest books ever. I mean, I'm not a massive Maggie O'Farrell fan because I find her writing a little bit, I don't know, just find it a bit over the top sometimes. But I think in that setting with, you know, that that time frame with those characters, it is the perfect book. I think her, it's just a her new. Setting. I remember everyone was shocked that it wasn't short or wasn't long listed for the Booker. Yeah, but that we don't talk about that year of the Booker because that was that was the year that they did not shortlist. Um, oh, the mirror uh, and the, the light. light. Do you think she would have won? Do you think she would have won if, if? Listen, I thought a lot about this. <laughs> I think about this a lot. I made a whole video where I talked about this because I mean I love Hilary Mantel. You know, rest in peace. Um, truly one of the greatest authors uh, of my lifetime, and. She, I think Wolf Hall and Bing of the Bodies is just, both of them are incredible, you know. They're so good because they actually make you think, well, for me anyway, that this is actually what, this is actual history. <laughs> what she's written on the page can only be what happened. That's how amazing her, her storytelling is. And I I think she gives life to like Thomas Cromwell and to, and to um, Henry VIII in a way that nobody else has ever done and just ma- makes makes them like feel like humans. And it's just incredible. Um, but I think The Mirror and the Light, I think it's the best of the three, personally. It's my favorite of the three. But it is a tome, and it is, it's it's a hard read. Like, Hilary Mantel's books are not light Sunday afternoon <laughs> casual dalliances. Like, they are committed relationships. So I do think that, you know, there's people who say, and I, I, don't, I don't know where you stand on this, I'm curious how you, how you feel about um, books in series being on, uh, long lists for for prizes. I think it's fine, but I I do understand. Yeah, I, I can I can understand <laughs> I can understand why it, it wouldn't have been 
Well, I wouldn't have won, but I should have been shortlisted because it is a masterpiece. I think series are hard if the previous ones have not also been longlisted because for yeah. a lot of people, it's like, should I go back? Should I not? It's one thing to do it with Elizabeth Strout where you can get her books are quite short, but it's another thing to like tell people, hey, you need to, they should have already read Wolf Hall before, obviously, but if they hadn't, having to go read Wolf Hall and uh, bringing up the bodies, that would have been a, a difficult challenge. And also, I think one of the issues that probably probably had because I I did not my, I didn't think it was the best my favorite spirit of the bodies of the the three I think a lot of people um, agree with you on that but yeah it's like these books the jurors are reading them three times I guess by the time that they decide on a winner and I think that's a book yeah. that probably struggled with that I imagine Duck's Newberry Port which both of I think both of us really love that's probably yeah, a book that it. probably people would struggle on a reread and and i think maybe that's one of the reasons it, yeah. it didn't win Good point. Um, yeah but not to take away not all books are meant to be read three times right it's uh no i mean i don't, I don't know if i ever want to read nuxu report again but i did yeah. really love the experience of it <laughs> yeah uh so anyways that's it so i guess the next thing i wanted to see what do you think are your the worst winners here here's where we're going to get gossipy and trashy oh. Okay, <laughs> I mean, we need to get it out of the way because I think we'll probably both agree. Yeah. The Testaments yes. had no right, no right being on the long list, <laughs> let alone winning. Um, and I I mean, I don't know how you feel about Margaret, Margaret Atwood as a writer generally. Like, I've read probably four or five of her books. Yeah. Uh, not her most famous ones. I mean, I've read The Handmaid's Tale, yeah. but I haven't read Cat's Eye or Blind Assassin or anything. Um, but I haven't really, uh, I don't get along with her writing super well. Like, I, I don't uh, love it or hate it. I just don't have any super strong feelings about her writing. Um, but I think, <laughs> I think The Testaments is not a great book. It's I think not. it's an okay book. Yeah. It's very average. Yeah. And I'm sure you agree with me when I say, oh, maybe you don't. We'll find out <laughs> in a second. Um, that this was a lifetime achievement prize for her. It was not, yeah. it was not the book that won the prize. It was her. And and so I like Margaret Atwood. Uh, I probably would, if I read her now, I'd probably be a little more critical of some of the stuff. I thought Blind Assassin was great. It's a good book for her to have won the Booker Prize for. Uh, the Testaments, it's, it's outrageous for a variety of reasons. One is that it was a really strong long list. I'm thinking like Lost Children Archives was on, didn't even get shortlisted. Ducks, Newburyport, Girl, Woman, Other. It's like these like three books that I think have really people still talk about on yeah. booktube or else where they've, they've resonated they've had impacts yeah and then hearing the gossip that apparently there had been a vote on the jury and girl woman other had actually won it was winning three two and the chair insisted to try to fight for a tie uh and it's yeah. like it's like so outrageous especially when you have this moment this historic moment of potentially the first black woman winning the Booker yeah. Prize and then forcing her to share it with someone who really didn't want it, right? I don't think Margaret Atwood yeah. really wanted it. She looked uncomfortable on the stage, right? And No, I mean, I also think it's telling that the Testaments wasn't even shortlisted for the Giller that year. Yeah. So that's telling. Um, and I think, I think you're right, because, I mean, Book Prizes aren't by their nature political. Like, yeah. that's just the nature of yeah. all literature is political. Yeah. And, we can't, and people say it isn't, or lying yeah. <laughs> because it is um so of course it is political to have like you know the first black woman ever to win the booker but also 
the book is so it's good. Book, like, yeah. Golem and Other is an incredible book, and it's doing a lot of really interesting things with form, yeah. but also just narratively, yeah. the way that it ties all the stories together, it is an incredible piece of literature and absolutely deserves any award. Yeah. So, <laughs> to, to, to know that, like, not only are we, like, kind of doing this political statement, but also... Yeah. This book deserves it. Like that's a double whammy. Yeah. That never happens. And then, and then to have Margaret, who's as you said, very clearly like, I, I know I don't deserve to be here. <laughs> and like, yeah. This is it, it was awkward. Yeah. Um and but thankfully I think since that happened, Girl Women Other has had a moment, right? And I think a lot of people have yeah. tried to like let's pretend the testaments did not win and that Girl, Women, Other is the, the actual winner. And and obviously, yeah. I think it's been a bestseller. And it's book club. I know several people whose book clubs have picked it up and adored it. And I think I'm, I'm happy it's gotten the attention it, it really needed. And, and it's also really uh, boosted her back catalog. And yeah. um, she's now, I mean, I've I never heard of her before, Bernadette Bernard yeah. And now I have a bunch of her books on my bookshelf that I'm. Well, I know Simon Savage was a, a big fan of Mr. Loverman before yes. that uh, she even got shortlisted for the Booker. So that's one. Simon Savage has a knowledge of books that I I don't know how he knows that these things exist. He just has yeah. a crazy uh, back catalog in his brain. No, for stuff. sure. Um, any Giller uh, books that you think were maybe disappointing? Yeah, I mean, let's talk yeah. about this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna lay into this. <laughs> this is unpopular. I did not like Fifteen Dogs by Andre Alexis, and then that book won a, it won the Candle uh, Reads the same year, and it was just like it was everywhere. And I think that book is so average. Like, I haven't read anything else by Andre Alexis, and largely this is like a reaction to like how much attention that book yeah. got and how bad I thought it was. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not a bad book by any stretch. It's just that, to me, that book was like Philosophy 101. Like, I was like, this is a book that you'd read in a first-year university class about philosophy. And it's not... It doesn't do anything interesting. I think people liked it because it was about dogs. It was a cool like, little uh, <laughs> it's, device. I, I don't know. I think it was like, it was it was like one of these things kind of emotionally manipulative type of stories. It was also short. And, and I think you've said um, people like short books. And short people love short books so i think that book got way more attention than it deserved uh and <laughs> i uh i had a copy of it and i actively was like take it yeah. to a friend like take it from the i, I don't think they minded <laughs> that one but it definitely um it didn't i think canada reads may have happened a couple of years after a year and a half after and it already had the giller bump right it did not need the attention it got from canada reads yeah. and canada reads my friends who run a bookstore in in town comment that Canada Reads is even more significant than than, than the Giller. I agree. Uh, and, yeah. And that book Definitely. did not need that kind of like extra bump because it was already in the public consciousness. So it felt kind of weird at that point. Yeah. I uh, I think I tweeted last Canada Reads like this year um, that I don't think books that have won the Giller recently sh- should be yeah. allowed to be on the Canada. Apparently, Reads the judge and because it happened with them. Um, you know, they get their guests first, and he demanded it wasn't even one of the <laughs> options. This is what I well, I think it wasn't he his cousin or something. Oh, I don't, I haven't heard that. That would be a good I gossip. There was yeah. so, there was some kind of relationship to someone. There was some kind of cousin relationship. Um, that's also so Canadian, isn't it? <laughs> you know, we're um, but all I also, related. I mean, like, what's what strange paradise uh, won together last year, and it was also one that it was on a Canada Reads this year. Yes. And 
that should not have been allowed, I don't think. Because yeah. of, again, it's it's so... And like, um, what's his name? Omar El Akkad? Yeah. Is his name? Yeah. Author? He sells well anyway. Yeah. And I think the joy of Canada Reads to me, as you said, is like, you get a, a lot of airtime for books that maybe people haven't heard of. Yeah. And um, again, it's like, is... I, do you actually do you actually know how they choose the Canada Reads books? They come up with like so they I think they choose the jury and I could be totally wrong and maybe someone will correct me but I think they choose the panelists I think they they choose the panelists first and then they come up okay. with a list a long list and I think okay. the panelists choose which book they want to champion from that okay. long list so it might just be their book editors or something like that that decide okay these are the 24 books that will right. be up okay. for grabs and then the the panelists get to decide which one they want to champion sure I mean I actually yeah. think it's kind of nice to have books that maybe are a couple years old back out there but uh and I do really like Candor Reads because you get to to have a lot more time for each of the yeah. books, which is really nice. Which one this year? I forget. It was um, five, uh, uh, Good Indians. Five, five. Is it what that was? That was last year, wasn't it? Five yeah. little, uh, five little Indians. Yeah, five little Indians. So the winner this year was Five Little Indians, which I haven't yet read, but I have it on my shelf again. Many books it, it's on my good. shelf. It's good. Yeah, we did it. We read it in a, for my uh, in person or not in person, but Zoom uh, book club, and we enjoyed it. It was. It's pretty rough thematically but uh definitely worth it rough as in like difficult or as in difficulty emotionally yeah. challenging yeah. yeah it's yeah and then the, the story is obviously it's be the the survivor stories of residential schools and it's uh, uh i'm happy that book won because those are more if if canada reads does what it it needs to do which is have hundreds of thousands of canadians pick up a book about something they need to know about i'm, I'm happy that's one of them uh uh, that they had to do. So I think that's good for our first part of the of the chat. Uh, we're going to come back and talk about the minor chorus in a bit. So we can take a little break. That's good. Okay, hi, we're back for the second part. We're doing our mini book club and we're talking about Minor Chorus by Billy Ray Belcourt. It's his debut novel. And if you saw me, I'm, I'm putting novel in quotation marks and we can talk about that. Uh, it's, uh, I guess, kind of his take on writing a novel and he's going back to his communities in Northern Alberta and interviewing folks as he's putting together material for his book. This was long listed for the Giller Prize. I think a lot of people tapped it to win, possibly, when the long list first came out, uh, but it did not make the short list. I was surprised it was not on the short list. I was a little surprised as well, uh, but after reading it, maybe not so much. Jill, do you want to give us a, a bit of a sense of what you, you want to give a bit of a description of what happened beyond my very brief <laughs> synopsis? Well, I'll be honest with you is that I'm not sure that there is a, a larger description <laughs> to what happens beyond your brief synopsis. Um, I think uh, this book, I, I, I think a key part of this book is that it's very academic. It, it, uh, it feels, it's in the language of academia, a lot of it is, which I think is a key part of the story both I think is to his advantage and also kind of hinders the novel a little bit. Um, I also think this book is a lot about his sexuality in a kind of both direct and indirect way and uh, you know of course addresses a lot of the uh, generational trauma uh, of 
residential schools and just Indigenous history in uh, this country we call Canada. So it's a, it's a lot going on in this book, in a very short book. The first 20 pages are especially very academic. And so I, I don't know much about his background, but assuming it's, it's a somewhat accurate representation, this isn't supposed to be autofiction, he's, he's doing his PhD, or the character in this one is doing his PhD. So he's immersed in this language of academia, and it's there on the page. I do... Two things I have to say, what I liked about it, it's like he's, he's an excellent writer. There, there are definitely components and passages that are, are pretty like sharp. And I found the moments where he is interviewing others and you see these passages of these other people telling their, their stories. Like Jack, it's yeah. Jack, right? His cousin, Jack's aunt. And when yeah. Jack's conclusion at the end, and I think there's some other passages as well, well where he's interviewing folks and they're giving their histories. I found those to be the most compelling. And, and I know it's, I think someone comments, I think Alicia Elliott's quote on it, compares it to Rachel Cusk. Uh, I'm not sure if you've read Rachel Cusk. I'm not a huge fan, and we'll talk about autofiction in a second. I have struggled with it with Rachel Cusk. <laughs> so I did like the book that was uh, long-listed for the booker. Second uh, place? Second place, because yeah. it was less autofiction. There was actually yeah. a, a bit of a plot going on, because her outline is just like that. It's her talking to all these people and then giving their little backgrounds and stories. So you see some of that reflected here. I actually found this more compelling than outline in that sense. Uh, what are your thoughts? Um, I think I, I agree with you that this book is strongest when he's talking to other people. I think the story about um, the, the uh, queer man in his neighborhood who never kind of came out officially it was a really beautifully kind of sad story with his cousin. And, and I, I think the kind of through line of Jack is really important in this book. And I think that kind of anchors this book in a book that otherwise feels quite rudderless, kind of quite directionless. Yeah, so I, I agree with you in that, uh, in that respect. I think, <laughs> I think I kind of realized while reading this that I don't think I do well with autofiction. I think it's a, a genre that just isn't for me. And I think, and I, I don't know if it's because, like, because I agree with you, I think that he is a beautiful writer. There are moments of this, there's like, there's passages that are just like striking, like absolutely beautiful. It could be framed as like, you know, just art. Um, but other parts of this feel like really difficult to get through. And I feel like, I feel like that is partially like, I can't tell if this is like a genius move or if it's actually a sign of like inexperience of writing because he's very, this book is about struggling with colonialism and living within a colonial system in a body and in a history that doesn't fit with that kind of, with that, with this world. But he's also using the language of academia, the most colonial structure that we have yeah. to kind of explore that. And I think for me, I just don't think it's successful because I think it's it's too dense. And it's it to me, I read it as like he himself has not yet figured it out. Which I'm not saying that like I think sometimes that works in a fiction, but I think the the trajectory of this novel is not strong enough to support that internal conflict. So I I think I mentioned it already. I also struggle with autofiction, and I can't exactly pinpoint why. Autofiction is super in right now. I think. Uh, there's been several shortlisted or long-listed books on the Giller before that have kind of followed this this mold. Uh, they never win, though, and I think that might speak to a shortcoming that it has in terms of truly like drawing people in and, and having people emotionally invest uh, in the story. And even when you write 
with the skill level that uh, Belcourt has, it just you you kind of get pushed away by when it becomes too meta or too in inner looking. Do you know what it is? It feels um, it feels indulgent in a way that that excludes a reader as opposed to. But I think it's the nature of just the genre, you know. And this one's especially challenging because it's it's not only autofiction, but it's about the struggles of writing autofiction and it, it yeah. felt very <laughs> yeah. meta and it's uh which is was you know it, a unique kind of take on the genre but also pushed me further away from the text at time i think that and i actually think i disagree with you a little bit i mean so the first like 20 pages are incredibly academic heavy like because he's talking about being in academia and and wanting to leave, or like not feeling like he knows how to exist anymore or complete the work as that as originally planned, um, but I think that f- the parts where I struggle in this book is when he revisits those terms and he starts referencing like Judith Butler and like lots of theory and stuff, and I think that is where it seeps through this whole book in a way that it just feels like no human being speaks like this. Um, outside of academia it just doesn't really exist in the world and that I think makes it difficult for people who are not um, because I you know I can this takes me right back to like when I was in university and like this was like my whole world was like working with these kind of texts and when you're out of it you feel so removed because you're just like oh gosh I haven't I haven't thought about that theory you know in 10 years or whatever taking it back a bit why do you think autofiction is so prevalent especially as a debut there's a lot of debuts that follow this yeah good question is it easier for people you know they say write what you know but it almost feels like this is you know the the first you you know it too well almost yeah i don't know if you know the um canadian children's author author kit pearson no i don't um i met her once i was doing a i did half a degree in children's literature at ubc and she was a, I was focusing on her work. I love her work. Incredible. Um, still as an adult, I love her stuff. But her first book is called The Daring Game. And when I met her, I asked her about it. And she said, it is basically her, it's basically autofiction. Like it's, it's her story. Um, and she said, all authors first book is in some way their story, whether or not it's like, you know, of course, you, people change elements or whatever, but she said it's part of like the process of and from her perspective, it's like part of the process of writing is you had to get that first story out, which is your story. I think for, for Belcourt, who was a poet, I think initially, and um, he also wrote uh, a, a sort of poetic memoir, right, which I read half of and then forgot about on myself. <laughs> Again, it's beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Uh, what I read but I think transitioning to writing fiction is difficult. I think that fiction is a very, very hard genre. And I think autofiction is this really uh, gray in between. Where because I actually just read another book this year, another form of autofiction of a poet who uh, wrote their first fiction, this sort of vignette slash autofiction, which I also didn't really enjoy because I think again it's that separation between learning how to make an audience feel like they're part of the story while also trying to figure out like your diary <laughs> kind of. Yeah. Um, so I think I think it's a, a transition. I think it's a, a transition format which makes it difficult. I think to to master. I don't know if there. I can't think of another one, another autofiction I've enjoyed, really. Maybe uh, A Ghost in the Throat by Dorian Nee Grafa, if you've read that. No, I haven't. But it's a little bit different. I'm thinking, um, have you read Mysteries of Pittsburgh? No, I haven't. It's Michael Shabon's first book. Oh, interesting, okay. Um, yeah, not his best, but obviously it kind of feels of his coming of age, but, you know, kinds of frees him up 
probably. Yeah. I wonder if there's like a stage, as you said, you know, it frees you up to then start exploring yeah. these themes you're interested in, but maybe in, in different kinds of ways and through different characters and eyes and experiences. Uh, because Shabon writes really creatively now, right? But this is one of his more realist. I wonder if maybe it's also like that fear of, you know, well, you know, the, all the characters in this book that are his family or, you know, his community, um, who I assume are based on realistic people that he's known, like in his life, um, or realistic scenarios that he's dealt with. Uh, I think maybe it's like a fear of like not wanting to expose someone else, so then you have to put yourself in there as well to kind of like soften the blow a little bit, like that fear of like um, being fully fully creatively like exploring your life and being too maybe pushing it too far i'm not sure maybe that's what it is i mean i'm not a writer so i don't know did you did you have a passage you wanted to to read from the book i was just going to read just just one sentence or two sentences i thought were just so beautiful um this is when he's i think he just arrives back in edmonton when he just leaves his university and he's like i'm gonna go back up to to my hometown and he's like describing the city and he says Behind the dilapidating building ran train tracks that were less like sutures and more like wounds. It all looked so ordinary and Canadian and, because of this, haunted. And I thought that is like absolutely a description of Canadian history that is powerful and visceral and true. Yeah. And, and, and dark, right? And I think it's a, it's a kind yes. of, you know, it, it paints a different kind of tapestry of the Canadian landscape that's filled with with a much darker and sinister history than, you know, filled yeah. with ghosts and filled with that continue to be haunted, right? By what we've yeah. done. Um, now, where do you think this fits in into, you know, there's a, a growing interest in indigenous literature here in this country. The last two winners of Canada read were indigenous writers. Uh, where do you think this fits into that? Because obviously it's in dialogue with some of that, but also Belcourt comes from a, a more academic background and he, he has exposures to, to writers beyond just those in his own community. Where, where do you think this fits in? It's a great question. Um... I think a lot of Indigenous work that I've read, Canadian Indigenous work, is a lot of memoir. Um, and of course, I've read Eden Robinson, you know, just an incredible fiction writer. Um, but I think we can all agree that a lot of Indigenous writing is very dark and very depressing, and and rightly so. Like, there's a lot of demons to exercise from Indigenous history in this country. Um, I think what's interesting about this book is that this feels like, I feel like we're in this, this kind of turning point in storytelling where non-white authors are starting to be able to tell stories not only of, of the dark, horrifying histories, but also of joy and, of, and perhaps of a future that is different. And I feel like this might be straddling the cusp of that kind of transitioning to um, exploring futures for in, in indigenous literature and indigenous people in this country because I, I think that river is a really interesting character in this book because river is this, this really positive kind of force in this book who is um who brings a lot of like joy and lightness in otherwise quite um tortured book you know um so i think it's kind of that's what I would say. It's kind of it's a new it's a new type of story. I think there's a lot of tenderness there, like you know his constant yeah. like going on grinder like there's a search for love uh that yeah. he's that's going on there in in a very modern way in in the context of like 
not breaking away, but trying to look over the shadows in a sense and, and find yeah. elements of joy. Uh, and, and those are, I think, some of the, the more like fascinating moments in the, in the text. So I think we have some consensus that we think the writing is excellent, but there's issues with the genre in terms of overcoming issues that you and I have with it. Why do you think it wasn't shortlisted? I don't think it's the best book written this year in Canada. <laughs> So, although I do think that Giller often struggles with that, um, generally. What do you think think, is the best book written in Canada this year? I mean, it wasn't on the long list. I think uh, Lisa Moore's book, uh, This Is How We Love, is one of the best books. Rick McDonald loved that book too, right? Yeah, he actually gave it to me. It was like a gift for him. Okay, yeah. And uh, I think it's Lisa Moore's best book. I I loved that book. So it wasn't long listed. I was was surprised not to see it there. Yeah. Yeah. but I do think, you know, upon reflection, The Longest is quite good. At first I was I was so upset that Lisa Moore was on it, I was like yeah. devastated. But yeah, I think it, it is interesting that there are two short story collections on the shortlist this year. Yeah, they're both unusual. excellent. Yeah, Yeah, as you said. Um, what was your question originally on last, last track? Yeah, it, well, why, <laughs> why do we think it wasn't shortlisted? Because I, I, so I've, and, and maybe before you answer, I can just, I've, I've read four of them now. And so I'm yeah. listening, I'm reading the fifth one now. Um, it's more, less experimental in terms of what's going on in these books. Maybe thematically, what's the name of the lesser known monsters is probably the most. Oh, the 21st century. Like, yeah. the most like creative in terms of like the kinds of stories it was telling, but it's still more traditional storytelling, I think, yeah. from the, the choices. And, and this probably doesn't kind of fit within that mold. Yeah, I think I think you're right. This is not uh, this is not a traditional <laughs> type of storytelling. I'm also not sure that I I think this book doesn't really fully coalesce into a really cohesive narrative for me. Like I'm not sure it's a super strong first novel. Like, you know, all the positive things we already said, I think just as an as a novel, this isn't I just don't think it's great. And I think I think there there are signs that, that Billy Ray Belko will write in the future. The, a great, a great, novel. A great yeah. Canadian novel, um, but I don't think this is it. I think this book kind of struggles with knowing what it's supposed to do, which I guess is a part of the theme. But again, I think it feels like this novel is out of the author's control a little bit, and that yeah. he doesn't really know what he's trying to do. And I think because it changes format a little bit sometimes, and because I think there's like four different times where he says what the thesis is of this book, and it's always yeah. different. <laughs> I just don't think it's very, um, it's difficult as a reader to fully follow this entire novel as, as, a, as a, a full piece of writing. So that's well, why considering think... how big of a theme is of him struggling with what is this book going to be about? How do I write it? Am I I'm going to give up on this project? Should I per- pursue it? It almost feels like he needed to get something on the page and he's got it on the page in a way that is satisfactory enough for him at this point but you can know that there's like with the quality of prose there's something more there and i guess we can we can look forward to that yeah this feels like a, this this to me feels like a first draft yeah. of an excellent novel do you know what i mean yes no for sure right yeah um yeah i think that's i mean i have to say though the cover is beautiful <laughs> but one, one of my favorite covers of, of all the uh of all the long lists i like kind of i like kind of like small easy to fit in your hand book sometimes <laughs> i mean let's talk about how like a naked printed hardback is like the best type of book yeah uh, these little small ones beautiful yeah but yeah i just i just don't think it's uh i just don't think it's good enough <laughs> like yeah. i just don't think it's good enough to win a, the giller um not that i've read the rest of them but 
Do you have any? Do you have any idea who you think is going to win? Even though you haven't read uh, the others. Um. Well, I have lots of friends who have read many of the books, and I've uh, I'm interested in all of them. I and I will definitely read them all at some point. But I think hmm, the what's it called? If an Egyptian cannot speak English, is that what it's called? Yeah. I've heard great things about that yeah. one, and there seems to be a strong consensus that that's a good one. And also, um, lesser known monsters is one that I've seen kind of even outside of Can- Canadian readers. So yeah, I guess she's based in in, in Washington. Okay. Yeah. What do you think? I I like uh, I find the Giller is the hardest to predict. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. The, the, Absolute the chaos. Booker, <laughs> I I have a good idea of who's going to win, right? It's like you you get a sense, especially because I've read when you read the whole long yeah. long list, you get a sense of what works and what doesn't. Um, and even if it, it's not my favorite, I'm not shocked <laughs> when when that happens. But I Can you, felt... you predicted the you predicted the the Booker right this year. I, I thought it was either going to be Glory yeah. or Seven Moons, and I had hoped it was going to be Glory, uh, yeah. but it is what it is. <laughs> like, no Violet's not going to have problems getting no, no, she's signed fine. at this point. She's sad, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I think uh, I think she. Uh, I'm I'm excited to see what more she writes, um, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if Rawi Haj wins. Uh, it depends how. Like, are, do they want to? Like I don't want to say it's a lifetime achievement award because it's uh, it's a great collection. Should have probably won for De Niro's game <laughs> like fifteen yeah. years ago. Yeah. Uh, but it is. Well, this is the is. question because a, a short story collection won only two years ago. Yeah. So will they give another short story collection their prize again? You cannot yeah. predict the Giller. Nobody can predict the Giller. It is absolute yeah. chaos. <laughs> Except when Madeline Tien won, because yeah. that one, it's like, that, that book stood and, uh, so far above Edgigan, everything else. We all knew that Washington Black was going to win. So. Yeah. Although I had, what was that Quebecois book that year? Um, that was all, it was that huge tome. Also great. I thought it was between one or the other. Is others, that Clyde? Yes, no. Uh, it does it. Laura Frey was a huge fan of oh, it. Oh, okay. Uh, it was another book too. I know, yeah, I know uh, her. And, and and she pumped it and pumped it up and I picked it up and it was it was amazing but yes uh, it wasn't going to win that year so yeah this is unpredictable this year so <laughs> yeah. I can't wager. Thank, thankfully we don't have bookies like in England uh, I saw Eric Carla Anderson took a tidy profit betting on seven moons <laughs> he put like 25 pens down and he got like 250 no way so did he really like, yeah awesome yeah no it was um... okay so well thank you jill so much for for joining us it was great recording this with you uh and i'm looking forward to uh seeing more of your videos can you tell people where they can find you online uh yeah you can find me on youtube at the book bully and you can find me on instagram at the book bully underscore and uh, thank you for inviting me on. This was super fun. Oh, same for sure. Yeah, yeah. And I'll make sure I'll have those links on the show notes as well. Okay, thanks everyone. Mm-hmm.